Welcome to the Tea Podcast, the podcast that always takes it there. Your host for the Tea Podcast is T from the infamous tblog.com. Some people say T has a way with words. Some call him the Tom Brady of blogging, the Jay-Z of screenwriting, the Conor McGregor of podcasting. He is the man who is always, always, always on his grown man shit. Thank you for tuning in. Now here is your host, T. Welcome everyone to the T Podcast for Thursday, April 30th, 2020. It's the last podcast, the last T Podcast for the month of April. This is your T Podcast number 158. I am joined once again by the lovely, the intelligent, the talented, Melty DeFiance. Say hello, Melty. Hello, Melty. Melty, you are going to be on the last podcast for the month of April, the quarantine month. Well, it started in March, but um, this is something where I said I would the other day when people listen to Tuesday's podcast, I said Melty and I will be coming together for a quick podcast. This will be the last one during the normal quarantine, and then hopefully Melty, you will join me back at the Tea Palace to get back on to the podcast. Will you do another podcast post-Melty home quarantine with me? We'll have to see. I mean, if the content is good, I'll be there. Right. It's only as good as you make it, Melty. You, you know that, right? Well, of course. I, I'm here to deliver, so obviously I bring my A game every time I'm on the podcast. I expect you to bring your A game as best as you can. Do you have an A game now that you've done this? This is probably like your fifth go around. Do you think you have a podcast A game? I'm insulted that you're asking me this. Of course I do. You've heard it. You've seen it. The crowd wants more. The crowd wants more? Um, so... We won't go that long, ladies and gentlemen. Melty and I, even though we're in a state of quarantine, always have something to do. Uh, combining our two lives together, me being super structured and a pain in the ass, and Melty uh, doing something. So, Melty, before we get into today's... Doing some things. <laughs> well, here's what I want to get into. Some of those things, uh, as folks can hear in the background, again, giving people an idea of our engaged quarantine life. Hot take. You could hear, maybe you could pick up on the microphone, uh, laundry in the background. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, so what's in the oven? Um, it is called Mondel bread. It is a Jewish cookie. It's my grandmother's recipe. What do we have for dinner tonight? Lobster mac and cheese. What do we have for dinner last night? Pizza, homemade pizza. I do remember. That's really <laughs> sad. And I'm not known for my cooking. I'm known for many things. You mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. I'm a very gifted, talented individual. Um, one of my, not my strong suit is as an Italian, I don't cook. I, you know, I got a male guy. I don't want you to become my male woman. You called flour powder. It was all over the counter. You called it powder. <laughs> and what else? What else? What's the other thing I asked that time? Oh, have? I made cookies one time and they didn't turn out the way they typically do. And I was really upset that they didn't. And I was trying to figure out, like, if I if I like mixed up an ingredient or if I didn't add something. And you were like, "Did you forget the yeast? It looks like there's no yeast in here." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, you don't put yeast in cookies, one, so there's no yeast, and there never should be." Yeah, it's I don't. I'm an honest guy. I don't deny that. I know I love food. I I love food. You know I can eat. You have now. You've seen the amount of food I could shovel into my... Do we, we didn't even get into on the podcast. Do you want to describe... I don't want to jump around. First, let's, let's stick to one thing. I don't cook. I tried. I've taken cooking classes. I've written about that on T-Blog. I 
when I've tried, I actually do a pretty good job. I just don't have the patience and love for it. I know you do. But of the two pizzas that were made by you and I last night, you made one, I made one. Can we tell the listen audience whose pizza was better? Yours came out better. But I will say, yours only came out better because I cooked yours less. Like, I overcooked mine. You think that was the only reason why? Well, I put them both in the oven. BTW. So I technically cooked them. I also made the dough. You did none of that. Yeah, but I kneaded it and I put the shit on it. Also, let's let's be honest. You were looking at me as I was doing it and copying every action that I made. You're a good teacher. Literally, every time... <laughs> If you went from the middle to the end, or if you picked it up and flipped it over, if you put more flour down, if you picked it up and put it oh, in your hands. You did the exact I same thing. It. Yeah. To Every the time. Fun intended. Yeah. Uh, so with that, yes, I, 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 I'm not a good cook, but we made pizza. I am trying to help Melty out as best as I can. And, and don't let her fool you, ladies and gentlemen, with that sweet, beautiful voice of hers. She, one time when I was trying to help her make banana bread, she snatched the bowl away from me. Because she didn't like my stirring technique. I've never seen somebody stir like that when asked to mix something together. You, It was like it was a baby that you had to pick up gracefully um, as Tigger's on the counter. And I'm about to lose it. Um, Tigger is on the counter. There's nothing on there for him to get, right? No. Okay. Yes. So much so that as all the memes I send Melty, she went out of her way to find a meme of somebody slowing, slowly stirring. And the one that you came up with, I can only describe as a, a dim-witted, slow Santa Claus. It looking was, very sad, stirring. It was like a, one of those animatronic, like from a small, from the small world was ride that that was? at Disney World. <laughs> like that's what it was. And it was very slow and mechanical. And that's how you stirred the banana at that time. And, yes. So, and never again will I ask you to do that. You have to, you know understand why i'm hesitant when we actually do cooking because this is how you, know, you tend to turn into the chef from hell when we're cooking i'm sorry what <laughs> no you actually were really good last night very patient it was fun i i like that i told you this i go that's one thing when as we get through our engagement and i move in with you that i am not good at cooking but i'm willing to cook with you and we're gonna make it fun i mean we did it wasn't cooking we did have the one activity during the holidays when we made our gingerbread horror crack houses that we made together. Yeah, that was bad. The windows and the doors were bleeding and mm -hmm. didn't stay together. But we, we tried this. But back to the whole food thing. Again, I may not cook, but I can eat. And like I said earlier, we did not tell the listen audience where I never really paid attention to this. I guess you've definitely pointed it out to me. And I guess my, my cousin, he's the same way. I think it's a family thing. The guys in the family grew up in East Boston. We, we tend to shovel a lot into our mouths when we eat. And I think now, anytime you've given me like an egg for breakfast, I can shove the whole egg in my mouth. I'm not purposely trying to do that. This is how I eat. But do you want to describe what you're seeing to the listening audience when you're watching me eat? You know, when you're a kid and your mother or whomever is with you while you're eating is like, slow down, you're going to choke. You need to... You need to finish everything in your mouth before you can talk or you're going to choke. It's like, I, the amount, the quantity, and when I say quantity, it's not like you are taking a 
a bunch of chips and shoving them <laughs> in your mouth. It's like you're taking a chicken parm, one of your palm. favorite meals. Oh. It could be a, a huge cutlet, like the size of your head. And your cuts <laughs> of the cutlet to like cut and, and put it in your mouth are, you, you eat the entire chicken cutlet within four bites. <laughs> and I've never witnessed that before in my life. Ever. I know I know men that can eat a lot, but that is it's a sight to see how your mouth just expands and this enormous like half chicken goes in and you take like two bites and you've already swallowed it. And what I guess is impressive to me is that you're able to do that. And two, that you have no idea where your stomach issues come from <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's from your stomach just being like you have given us a whole t chicken to now digest in so like, minutes. <laughs> in the stomach so you're gonna need to chill out I still don't understand how I have stomach issues I, I yeah I have no idea how yeah so ladies and gentlemen apparently that is how I eat I shovel a lot in my mouth at any given time and also my mouth is pretty big I have a lot to say it never stops talking so I also pride myself on when, again, I'm not trying to be rude. I don't like talking with my mouth full, but it's funny how I could put something in my mouth and still carry on a conversation. But even when I don't have anything in my mouth, you sometimes tend to say, it sounds like I have marbles in my mouth anyway. Uh, I tend to, I think it's one thing we learned about each other during this quarantine is that sometimes you don't understand what I'm saying. And sometimes you don't, can't hear what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I think we tend to, to repeat and yell across the, the house often. We yell across the house often because I'm typically, you're typically yelling at me in, when I'm in a different room <laughs> or like trying to tell me something like a meme you found. You want to see a meme? <laughs> and I'm in a different room and I, I cannot hear you, one, and then you get angry very quickly <laughs> that I can't hear you. So you're like, this is what I'm trying to do. Well, so you're in another room and you don't want me to yell, but literally this morning we're in the same room. So I don't, so I'm trying my best way to communicate with you. So today I texted you and you go, why you texted me? I was literally in the kitchen and you were sitting on the couch. And let me just tell you, the space between the kitchen and the couch is maybe a foot. <laughs> so. I want to send you a meme. <laughs> How many memes do you think I've showed you and sent you during this quarantine? These last six going on seven weeks when this airs. I have no idea. There have been multiple per day in some cases. A lot, so. of, a lot of Tiger meme. A lot of, lot of Tiger King memes. Those those came fast and furious real quick. And then there have been a lot of like the um, the earth is healing. Yes, this is a lot what of Trump memes. Boston looked like this morning. Yes, I showed you that one. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I know we just wanted to give people an idea of what life has been being quarantined together. And uh, we came here today, uh, Melty... You have, you know, your real name. We don't disclose that. Melty, the podcast name. Uh, I think we should now dub you the queen of reality TV. Because you initially came on the podcast. We did the grievances, the festivist grievances. The next time, we did our review of Love is Blind. Mm -hmm. And I pride myself on a guy, as a guy, that was never really liked reality television. Besides the Jersey Shore. We'll go on record of watching that. Um, I don't watch reality television. I don't. But I love scripted stuff as a screenwriter. I kind of feel like I'm supporting the cause of scripted television. But right now, we're in quarantine television entertainment limbo, where you take what you can get. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, something that Melty and I obviously, you know, have to bring together is my DVR shows, Melty's DVR shows, and trying to find a common ground of when I watch my shows on my own, when Melty watches hers on her own, or when we watch them together. And then, obviously, there's the movie aspect. Again, what the great thing about a relationship, I love movies, you love movies. So, a couple of things we want to bring here to the podcast and review. Uh, Melty loves reality television. Mm-hmm. Now, just real quick, again, this is not planned at all. I kind of just threw this on Melty today saying, you want to go on the podcast and this is what we're going to talk about. Not the shows we're about to talk about, but what is on your hit list? Name your, your, just name five reality shows that you have to watch, even if they're the ones that we've been watching together. What, when I come down here or come out of the room, just name the five shows that are constantly on your television. Reality. I, well, I won't say I won't list the five ones that are constantly on the television. Although they will be the ones that I DVR. So the ones that are being DVR'd right now that I actively am watching the seasons are Real Housewives of New York, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Shadows of Sunset, oh. <laughs> uh, The Kardashians. I'm kind of like over, but I you still well, watch. I I had it on in the background this morning as I was um, cooking and cleaning. Um, so I still watched that one. And what's another one? Oh, Below Deck. Okay. So me, I think, and Melty and I talk about this all the time, I, it doesn't matter if it's reality TV. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's a guy walking on the street, it doesn't matter if it's me, a friend, a family, Tigger. I think one thing you come to know and love about me is that I have something to say about everything and everyone. My mouth, I'm a wise ass. And I think one of the things about the reality television is when I sit here with you, I say random shit like, oh, she's definitely a dude. You know, I can say, oh, she has a dick. <laughs> and I'll come by and be like, what the fuck is going on with that guy? I'll always have something to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it adds value, especially once the ones that you've already seen, because you've already seen it once and I'm not ruining it for you, and I could give my color commentary. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into like the stuff that I started watching that you've already watched, but brand new here. Around Love is Blind, not as good as Love is Blind, but there's a show that everybody's talking about, I figured Melty and I, because we watched it, eight episodes on Netflix, came out a, a week ago, it was like, we binged it pretty quick, uh, called Too Hot to Handle. Um, do you want to tell the listening audience the premise of the show? Yes. So the premise of the show, which I think is a little hazy at first, if you're just getting into it, um, is these single folk... Really, really good looking. Well, some they're supposed of them, to be. They're supposed to be really good looking, <laughs> but like some of them aren't. Most of them aren't. Um, so they are coming to an island to compete. They don't really know what they're competing for, but they're knowing that they're going to be part of a reality show in yeah. some sense. Um, we quickly learn through their interviews and through the narrator, who I love and I'm obsessed with. Which we never see. Which we never see, but she's amazing. That these people are basically addicted to sex. They just love whoring about. Addicted to sex and attention. And attention. They all have big social media followers. Yes, and they're they. They're shallow. It, yeah, they're very shallow. They live in this like social media world where they're putting their perfect self out there and or a version of their perfect self and they're you know half naked in some instances whatever the case might be side note 
I'll just not to spoil anything that we might talk about later, but it was revealed very early on when we started watching this show that one of the girls on the show <laughs> is somebody that T followed on Instagram. I used to follow. Used to follow. Who knew? You knew a lot about her, though. <laughs> like, a lot about her. No, well, <laughs> let, let's, let's level set it for the audience. And you know, this is, again, another thing about me that you, I think, tend to love. I have a really good memory. I, it's one thing that's benefited me in life. It's benefited me in school. Once you put something in this head, it stays there. So if I met you in life, again, um, one thing I, I just, I'm not bad at, but I refuse to remember people's names. That's something I purposely just do. But if, if I did something or came across something or went somewhere or tried something, to this day, I could tell you what movie I saw, what year, who I was with. I could tell you the first time I went to whatever game, who was playing, who was the starting pitcher. I could tell you the score of why the patch you know, lost that game. Things just resonate and stay in my head. I've always been able to do that. But immediately when I saw that girl again before I met you, I, I followed a lot of Instagram models on the T-Podcast account. There was going to be, and I told you this, this again, I'm very honest with you. I always planned to do the Woodwife hashtag. I created that hashtag. I made T-Blog what it was. I used to do Boston's Hottest and Semi-Famous Women. Before you and I started getting serious, I was actually going to interview women on the podcast just to say, not different than what these shows were doing, what is it like to be an Instagram model? Mm-hmm. Not saying they're the best people. And again, that, that show, Too Hot to Handle, validated, and I'm stereotyping these women here, and even these, these little pretty boy guys, everything that I thought they would be. They're fucking dumb as shit. Like, there is more to life, and again, as I get older, I appreciate this too, than just being a <laughs> Zoolander, really ridiculously good looking. Because these people on the show, and again, let's let's get a little more to the story. There's, there's money involved. So not only are they bought looks and sex and being very shallow, they have no personality, they're not intelligent at all. They're all they're about money too. Because the next wave of the show, what once they revealed that they're all horn dogs, they all are big on social media. The big swerve was one. You can't touch each other. You can't have sex. Right. But before, so before we get to what the, like the deal ends up being, they're all coming to this island thinking that they're just going to hook up and go crazy and basically be on this salacious reality show where they can be ridiculous. But isn't there a show called Love Island anyway? Isn't it something like that? But I think Temptation that, Island? Yeah. Yeah. I think there is. But I think that they were coming thinking that yeah and then when they revealed the premise of like you can't have sex you can't touch yes like heavy petting heavy petting um, so there's the narrator that's letting us know you can't kiss there's also a ripoff of siri yes lana right lana lana's a little device a little lana's pyramid always watching lana sees everything <laughs> and so here's what happens basically since you can't touch you can't kiss you can't have sex you can't hook up Lana sees all every time. So they start with a pot. I think it was 10 people originally. They start with $100,000. Anytime you violate those rules, anytime you kiss, anytime you hook up, anytime you have sex, anytime you do heavy petting, Lana will take money off, off the kit, off the pot. And they don't know how much money that's going to be until, again, the, the girl I used to follow on Instagram, Francesca, again, she's the only name I remember, and the skinny pretty boy english kid harry they basically make out and then lana gathers everyone and tells them there has been uh a a a discrepancy in the rules that someone has kissed 
and there's going to be money taken off. And then everybody gets all fucking pissed off, like, oh, shit. They, uh, again, I'm talking a really long pace here because Melty had to go to the oven. She's checking on her, her baked goods. There is a, a, a consensus of the group saying, well, who the fuck did it? Fess up. What happened? Blah, blah, blah. And before everybody sat down, Francesca's telling everyone Harry kissed her and vice versa. They both wanting everyone. So they were like, all right, they kind of knew. And then Lana announces that it's $3,000 taken off the $100,000. And then they finally get to fail the first pains of money being withdrawn. So from there, it goes down a road where uh, Francesca and Harry kind of have a little bit of a falling out. So she decides to get the other girl, this miserable, it's, it's, I'm going to say this out loud now, the habitual woman, Haley. And they decide to let's, I don't know, like on day one, let's fuck with everyone. And they decide to make up. Yes. And so another 3000 comes off the kitty, comes off the pool. Let's see. Okay. As we're talking about this, I think it needs to be said. They don't understand how this money is going to be divided or who's going to ultimately win it. They don't know if there's going to be like eliminations. And so why would you ever? It's $100,000. Granted, that is a lot of money. I'm not trying to say it's not. No, but you and I did the math the entire time. Because you, you and I, just like the, them, we didn't know what was happening. Yeah. You're right. Was it one person winning it? A couple? So they actually commentate on that on the show a little bit. Somebody's like, you just cost me $3,000. And then one person's like, no, I cost you $300 because it's divided by 10. Mm -hmm. At that point, they didn't know. We didn't know. And then the show goes down a road where, out of nowhere, for no rhyme or reason, they start introducing new people. Yeah. So Melty and I were like, all right. Is it going to be divided amongst 10 to 12 people? And then the pot kept on going down. It went down to like 72, went down to like 50 something. It came down to like 45,000. And you and I were like, after, if it is divided, after taxes, what the fuck am I doing this for? I'm going to get like $700. Why don't I just fuck my way through? Yeah, it just, it was very, it was kind of ludicrous. And then they suddenly introduced this thing about personal growth. Yes. And <laughs> That's Episode 5, you're not showing personal growth. Yeah, it was Haley getting kicked off. She got booted. Because she wasn't exhibiting personal growth. <laughs> she basically asked to be, asked to go home. Um, she had such a bad attitude about it. She was basically the star of the show, though. Because she, like, sussed it out right away. This yeah. is stupid. These people are stupid. Why am I here? But you're right. It wasn't truly defined until it was never that defined. personal growth. You it have a chance at the money. Exactly. People are like, I don't know why I need to to grow here <laughs> yeah and then they were doing these weird so they started doing these like the girls would do like a class and then the guys would do a class and and but the class even the classes were like we're trying to improve the way yes. you respond to each other the guys had to paint each other in mud mm -hmm. in a very erotic weird way mm -hmm. and then the women went into like these box and took down the pants and talked to their vaginas mm -hmm. and they, then had to paint their vaginas they had to paint their vaginas not take a brush to the actual vagina. They had to get a cannabis and this is how they had to portray in an abstract way what their vagina means to them. And there was some weird island name for what they were calling the vagina. I don't recall. Yeah. But it was eight episodes, 40 minutes. We went through it pretty quickly. Besides, obviously, because I, I knew her on Instagram and Harry, the pretty boy that they were going back and forth. Do you remember anybody's fucking names? Like, was anybody standout besides yes. Haley? Yes. Chloe. Chloe became, yeah. okay. Chloe became a standout because she just had a lot to say about everything, but in like a really funny way. Um, she would also call people babe. She did. Like, okay, babe, you got a babe. And she was from London, so she had like, or 
yes. from UK. She was from London. And, and I'm not being mean here. She also, and I remember Chloe, she had no ass. Yeah, she's very, very thin. Her back went right into her legs. And every guy that would come on the show, she instantly fell for. And then it just wouldn't work out. And the last guy, I don't remember his name, he came, he was the second wave of people that came. And that she, the, she like fell for with him. With the piss nipples? Yeah. That went on an angle? Yeah. <laughs> and she was like all into him. And then he asked Francesca out on a date. And that's when Chloe became the Chloe that we know and love because she just yes. went crazy. But like crazy in a funny way. So here's the thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm trying to think about the ending. It went from that swerve you had a show exhibit personal growth. Mm-hmm. And they identified, they started identifying everyone that exhibited personal growth. But then Lana at the end, so first they gave Harry and Francesca a chance to bring back because they end up banging some more. Yeah. They gave them a chance to spend a, a night in the room without having sex and it would bring back the 45000 they cost everyone. Mm-hmm. So they got back almost, it was like 90000 I'm going back up to. Mm-hmm. And then Lana announces them all in the final episode, like you showed ex- personal growth. Didn't she say everybody did at the end? They all stood up and they all got to split the money anyway? Yeah. So- it was, it, they... <laughs> Because even until the end, I think they didn't know what they wanted to do about the money, like the producers. So everyone there is like, okay, one of us is going to win. One of us is going to win. And they're waiting to hear who's going to win. And then she told one person to stand up and then she told another person. And then at, at the end, they were all standing and she was like, you each get them to split the money. And it was like $7,500. And I'm like, <laughs> you spent six weeks on an island and that's all you get. That's all you get. I mean, it's a long vacation, but it's the same people every day, the same activities. At that point, just have the sex. Like, we, we, we were conflicted. Yeah, like, I, I will say that it was very, it was a good, um, for this time of quarantine, it was a great show to binge over a weekend. Um, it was no Tiger King. It was no Tiger King. It, it, It's not something that I would ever go back to. If they made a season two, I might watch it, but I wouldn't, like... Be like, oh my god, it's coming out today. Like, yeah. if they made a Love is Blind too, I Absolutely. would be there that day. I would not do that with Too Hot to Handle. It wasn't... It just didn't have that oomph that Love is Blind did. Or, of course, Tiger King. But Tiger King's in a different realm. But, so, like, Love is Blind, I would put at the top of, like, the well, That's what I was going to ask you. So, videos. you watched The Bachelor and Bachelorette. You yeah. and I watched Love is Blind together. Mm-hmm. Just real quick, off the top of your head. A through F. What would you give The Bachelor as an overall show? Not a particular season, just an overall show. What would you give that as a grade? What were the... What was a it? through F. A through F? Yeah. I would say The Bachelor is like... A, it's like a C to a B. All right. What would you give The Bachelorette? Is that anything... Is it any it, better? There's no difference. All right. I would say a C to a B. What would you give Love is Blind? Love is Blind, I would give a hard A. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica alone. I was about to say, we still remember the names of the Love is Blind people. That's how much of an impact it has. So then what would you give uh, Too Hot to Handle? Too Hot to Handle, I'd give like a D or a C. Yeah. It was just, I mean, it was good. It was, it, I couldn't stop watching it. Like we, we blew through those episodes and we haven't done that really beyond But you're Tiger right, we were quarantined. Like yeah. Beyond, beyond Tiger King, if you and I were doing this back in the, our normal life. Yeah. We wouldn't binge that at all. No. And I, I recommend, I recommended to people at work that they should watch Too Hot to Handle if they hadn't already, um, because it is definitely a good show in the fact that it's just like mindless 
entertainment and you get a few laughs out of like things Chloe says or things Haley says. You get a laugh out of watching Francesca be just Francesca. <laughs> um, and some of the guys are really funny too. I don't remember any of their names besides Harry. And so, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a good show. It reminded me of, and I said this as we were watching it, but there was a show on like VH1 or something. And it's something like dating naked or it was something about naked dating. Yeah. They would go to an island and two people would like meet on a blind date naked, completely naked. And that show, I remember watching at least one season one summer and I loved it because it was just so ridiculous that these two people would be on a first blind date naked. completely naked and then they had to live in a house together with other naked people that had gone on dates other naked people and then they had to figure out who they actually wanted to like date going forward it was it was a great show I'll, I'll the other show I could get into <laughs> I think you'd I, you'd be surprised but I will say the difference between that show and this show too Hot to Handle. Too Hot to Handle was like Instagram model people, even if they weren't the most attractive, they all had boob jobs. So they all looked great in bikinis. They all had under boob. I wish you were a girl so we could talk about this. What? I wanted to understand what the under boob was. You point that out on this show too. You said there's a lot of under boob. There was so much under boob. There's a lot of side boob too. Well, they all had implants too. The, yeah, but that's that. So I'm talking primarily about too hot to handle with underboob. Yes. Like, was th- I? I couldn't understand if it was because their their implants were too big. Well, here's how good Yara is. I gotta point this out to the audience. The girls that you know you you saw with the underboob in their body, there was one girl super skinny had the big fake boobs underboob, and you still called it earlier on like, oh, she definitely had a kid. A hundred percent. Because, okay. And, and then later on, she any, realized she had a kid. Any girls that listen to this know what I'm talking about. They're, so, implants are supposed to make your boobs perky. They're supposed to keep them up and full. Mm-hmm. Her boobs were clearly implants because you could see the ripple. You could see the gap too between them. Yeah. and But they were saggy. And they shouldn't have been like that. So I was like, she definitely had a kid. Like, absolutely. So she had the implants before the kid, obviously. Yeah. And that brought it down. Yeah. Because a lot of women tend to go get the implants after, after they're done having kids. Yeah. And they do a perky. Exactly. But you call that out, and then it found out, I think, the second to last episode, she's like, she's like I have a son. Uh, yeah. And she's like introducing the guy yeah. to her son. That was a great moment. That was a good one. And the guy, kid's on the phone, like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> the kid didn't even want to talk to him. He's literally like shirtless. She's in like a, like, I'll say skanky, but like, you know, like a. No, it's a very skimpy bikini. Skimpy Her boobs are always hanging out. That's I think it was like gold too, like gold lame yeah. or something. And anyway. She's like, she's like, here's my son. She's like, here's my son. And oh hey son, you can see my boobs right now. I'm sure you don't care, but this guy's naked next to me too. So that was too hot to handle. Um again, I like I said, I've always watched Jersey Show, the only reality show I watched. There's something similar to it in that so before Melky and I started dating, one of the things we started talking about, I think it was you know, on date number one, was, you know, again, Without giving too much about your background, Melty is knows about Staten Island, and obviously we started talking about Jersey Shore, and we both watched this show that very few people watched. Uh, what was it called before? What it is now? I don't remember. Shit! It was um. <laughs> it was something Staten Island. Something Staten that's Island. That's why I watched it. So it was Sammy the Bull's daughter, Karen Gravano, who is known for Mob Wives, took all these 
kids, these Italian kids, and did a show on Staten Island. It was something that you and I both watched when we didn't even know each other. We start to talk about it. We're like, oh yeah, uh, me. I think my my anytime is like Italian something. I guess I don't know all Italian stuff I watch, but what was appealing to me about the Jersey Shore was that you had kids at least from Rhode Island beyond just Jersey. Um, that like Pauly D. Those seemed like kids that I grew up with. This show, Staten Island, was a lot more like the kids I grew up in East Boston, where all your parents did time. Parents were locked away. These kids were street kids, not. Hood kids. I, I, I relate Eastie more to like a hood and the streets. Good mix. But I would say that these Staten Island kids were street kids. And they were glorifying that street mentality. They were glorifying that where it stereotyped Staten Island to not like Jersey Shore. The folks of Staten Island, the politicians, were like, uh-uh. You're going to stop this fucking show. And they pressured MTV. MTV stopped the show. Uh, it was like mid, mid-season. Apparently, and Melody and I put this together because when you watch this new Families of the Mafia... They got footage from the season we watched because they're reusing it, they're repurposing it. You could see their hairstyles and stuff change. So they took the footage from that show, shot more. Karen Gavano opened up a pizza shop, La Pizza Nostra, and they focus on four families, even though one is an Irish drunken hooligan. So it's not so much the mafia family, but also it was only one episode. It's going to end this week at six. No one's we haven't seen them since. It was also an opportunity for star power, if you want to call it that, to bring Sammy the fucking bull into this. And I said to Melty, for me, I, I have to watch this. Being Italian, being who my father was and is and the people he knew and the people I grew up around with without giving up too much, beyond Eastie in the street, Italians, and Melty's learning this terminology through me, made men of people in the mob. There's guys, the terms we use, are connected. They're not made guys, but they're connected to the mob. These kids, I feel, to me, a lot like the kids I grew up with. A life that I was a part of, a life that I wanted to avoid. My biggest beef with this Mafia show, one, is Sammy the Bull, the biggest rat in Mafia history, has now as a platform, but he's doing it, I think, to be protected because now he's out, out in the open like that, out in Arizona. But when they come back to Staten Island, because that's most of the shows in Staten Island, I have a problem with the way these kids over-embellished. Like, the way they talk. They, they, to, to me, they're too Staten Island too Italian. Get the fuck out of here. Come on, this guy. You clown. But you tell me that that's how they talk more so in Staten So that's kind of my take on it. What is your take of the families of the mafia with these Staten Island street kids? I mean, I think it's just really funny. Like, they make Staten Island to be this, like, street place. Like, the, the mom that of one of the kids that talks like he has marbles in his yeah. mouth. He, she lives in Brooklyn now. He still lives on Staten Island with um, his, his aunt, aunt uncle. uncle. And she's like, you need to get out of Staten Island. It's not good for you. It's not a good place for you. And he's he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to stay here. And I have to agree. Like, if I'm looking at Brooklyn versus Staten Island, they're basically the same, by the way. <laughs> and Staten Island is not all bad. There are like bad sections but there are bad sections of everywhere it's mainly like very family oriented so i just think they're making this mob connection because there was that whole like 80s mentality of people like moving from new york new york city getting out of there to go to staten island because they were part of the mob but they wanted to disassociate but now i'm there because in the first episode they tell you my parents and grandparents are either dead or so-and-so was a criminal. I mean, even Sammy did fucking 20 years, you know, because of the ecstasy, but being a snitch too. He's on Arizona. So it's like, there's really no ties to that. So it's they, not. they are absolutely glorifying something of the past. I mean, even to the point where Karen goes into her pizza shop. 
But the pizza shop, okay, what kills me about all this, the pizza shop isn't even on Staten Island. They said that it's in New Jersey. Yeah, because we had the Maya came through, right? Yeah. For that? So why are they, they're like holding on to this Staten Island vibe without associating the whole show with Staten Island. And it's like, but most of it's not even there. Yeah. Like they're going to Brooklyn, they're going to New Jersey, but they're not really saying they're, they're going the to these shop. places. They're the pizza shop, they're in Arizona. They're in Arizona. One mom's like, I'm leaving you with your dad and going to Florida for two months. Yeah. And then she wonders why the kid gets arrested when she comes back. I know. It's, it, it, well, and there's also that one, again, me being the guy that has color commentary and everything. There's one girl who, she's ginormous. <laughs> she, she sits on a couch and the couch looks like the tiniest baby chair. <laughs> And she's just like, and I'm not knocking anyone because again, I come from a tough life too, but it's like, she's just like, I swear she, she could have a dick too. And she's just like little on the couch going, I just want to find my father and tell him, how does it feel to know that somebody else raised your kids? <laughs> and every time she comes on, you know her to say something. I know. And it's a... it, but it's like, again, I make fun of everybody equally. There's that other girl who has the fucked up haircut and then her mom came out with like... Four pieces of the extensions, just some over here, some over here. And you're like, what's going on with their head? So they're funny to look at. They're funny just because it's like, there are some families that are very put together, like the Gravano. Yeah. Like, th that family is very put well, together. because she has reality show television money. She yeah. already came in the semi-famous. She has that money. But then she's sitting down and having dinner with the kid who talks like Marbles' his mom, <laughs> who has been in prison for a really long time, in and out. Who doesn't like, know she got away for, put away for a misdemeanor yeah, or a felony? No clue. No. <laughs> and they're suppo we're supposed to believe that they're very good friends and that this other mom who has like really, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go there, really jacked up hair. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. She... It's not curly, but she clearly puts lots of gel in it, or she just wears it wet. She looks like she's dying. <laughs> it's like cut, like at her ears. There's like a layer like, at her ears, and then the other part comes down past her shoulders. It's it's weird. And, and then her ex husband, who they want to share, you know, accountability with their kids. Again, the kids aren't minors anymore. He comes in, and every other scene, he's either drunk or on fucking drugs. Like, really bad. Yeah. So it's like, I hear why they want to stop this. One, forget about the glorification of street life and Italians. It's like, this show isn't healthy for these people. Each of these kids has a case pending. One just beat a case. The girl did time in Rikers. I know. <laughs> Their parents all went away. You got a generation of Sammy the group, Sammy the Bull, who's the biggest fucking hitman in mafia history. There's nothing healthy about this show, but I'm watching it because it reminds me of like a big life I came from. But you, your background on Staten Island, and both of us were our love for Jersey Shore. I always say to you, and I ask you, and answer this for the audience, and not only just me again, but what is the, the more proper depiction of Staten Island life? Is it, is it Vinny and Angelina from Jersey Shore, or is it these families and these kids? Like, what's more accurate? It's Vinny and Angelina is 100% yeah. more accurate. Like, that is, like, those are the people that you see and talk to on Staten Island. Like, you don't see... Unless you're going by, like, the ferry, which is, quote-unquote, the bad section of Staten Island, you don't see people like that at all. So that's how Take a Film is the Mafia. It's not quite a Jersey show. We're going to finish it. We're thinking, I, I read something that the producers of Mob Wives are telling Karen to shut it down. 
um, because she's using, I don't know, something that where she had an issue with the producers have an issue of how she's already an established character on something else and she can't move forward. But I don't, I don't know if the show is going to finish, but I know there's only six episodes and we have two more to go. So that's another show Melty and I have been binging. Well, just watching. So back to Melty's other shows. Again, talking about someone who does not watch a lot of reality shows. Melty named off a little while ago some of her favorite reality shows. Me, since I've been here in between, like, you know, when I'm done with work or on the weekends or at nighttime, Melty kept on telling me there's a show I got to watch and that I'll like. And again, I'm not a reality show person. It's called Below Deck. Well, and I said that you would like it because there it had been on a few times when you came over. And I knew that there was a difference because if the Real Housewives are on, you're sitting there on your phone, like you're not really paying attention. You might like look up and be like, well, who the hell is she or like something. But this, you would come over and you would be like, are they on a boat? Oh, they're working. And you would be like more engaged. And then there's a new season on right now, like a completely new offshoot of Below Deck called Below Deck Yacht, Yacht, Sailing Yacht, Sailing Yacht, that's it. And so I had been watching it, and you had been watching it, and you were kind of getting more interested when I would have it on. And so I was like, we need to go back and watch Below Deck, because I think you'll actually really like it. So we started with, I think, the third season. Third season. And you fell in love very quickly. I did three. Since the quarantine, ladies and gentlemen, I've done original Below Deck, right? Called original. Mm -hmm. Original Below Deck seasons three, four, five, six. I was about to start seven. Melody pulls a audible the other night on me, and she goes, oh, no, before you do seven, you have to watch Below Deck Mediterranean. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, it's another offshoot of Below Deck. Lo and behold, there's like, what, another five seasons of this show, too? So we go over to the Mediterranean show. Um, I like Below Deck. I tend to binge a lot of episodes. A couple of times, Melody went to bed, and luckily she's already seen it, so I don't feel too bad staying up watching. It's something we can watch together again. Her already seen in it, and me giving my commentary, I got something to say about almost every scene, every character, every staff. Um, I like, for those of you who've been watching a long time, I like Captain Lee. I, I tend to, and I think you know this about me, I like stand-up, honest guys that are straight shooters, no bullshit, down the line, call like they seem type of guys, and I like Captain Lee like that. Mm-hmm. I do like seeing these doofuses, these guys who think they have fucking game, just sabotaging themselves with these girls that they tend to sweat and fall in love with on these shows. I do like Kate and every chef in stew that she has a beef with. And she's another one who just not just speaks her mind, but she says shit because she wants to piss people off because she knows she's protected by Captain Lee. Um, I don't like the seasons when it's not Captain Lee, but I'm getting to learn these other ones. I learned a lot about fucking yachting. Maybe I'll be, I say this to Melody joking around, maybe we'll become a yachty one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like seeing that even some of the um, guests that come on, some are recognizable. A lot of them from social media, Instagram, but they did have the creative of Tap Out come on there, so it ties to the UFC. And you get to see just some of the guests, and you also get to see what money does to some people. Some of it's very stereotypical. These guests, a lot of them are just fucking assholes. And it's one thing that Melty and I, you know about me and I love about you, people in the hospitality industry, whether or not they're working on a giant yacht or in a restaurant, they make money off tips and respect. Like People who are always mean to wait staff says a lot about that person, that character. And a lot of these guests are just straight fucking douchebags. And it hooked me in. And also, I think, coming from the way I grew up, it is not your typical reality show where it's like, oh, let's go find love somewhere in a room where we can't see each other. They're working. I like working class people. Mm -hmm. And they work really hard on these fucking yachts. And I think kind of like, you know, man versus food, I always thought that 
Adam was going to end up dying from eating a fucking red chili pepper or something. There always is that aspect, and I ask Melty almost every episode, does somebody die in this episode? There's one time finally a kid fell in the water. I mean, does anybody ever get attacked by a shark? There is that element that something could go wrong at sea. Mm-hmm. I finally got one where the kid was dragged, and one where the jet ski got loose and was shooting out there. So, yeah, I got to say, ladies and gentlemen, Below Deck, I don't think I've ever binged a, a non-scripted show. I've binged plenty of scripted shows on like Netflix at one time. But I think non-stop, there hasn't been a day that's gone by in this upcoming seven-week quarantine that we, that we haven't watched an episode of Below Deck. Yeah. And sometimes I go from one to five sometimes. So mm-hmm. Below Deck for me is something I like, and I'll be watching that with Melty going forward. To wrap this all up, we just did the whole reality show bit. Uh, Melty and I were trying to get some movies under our belt. Again, I think we did a lot more TV than movies. Mm-hmm. But two in particular I want to get out there because they keep on, you know, they, they popped up, they're, they're on demand. Um, we didn't see them in theaters. Uh, one's been around for a while. It won everything at the Oscars, Parasite. Everybody's talking about Parasite. If you win, if a foreign film normally wins foreign best picture, regular best picture, best screenplay, best director, even with subtitles, you think you're about to see something amazing, something special. For those of you who have not seen Parasite, but I'll give, I'm going to give some spoilers away right now, and I'll let Melody go. I'm going to go first, being the movie guy. Parasite is about, and I'll little synopsis in my screen right now. I won't pitch this, but this is how I take take this away. If somebody said, what would you think about Parasite? I think it's the most overrated fucking movie in, in recent years because it is a, a, a Korean family in a basement that try to pull a hustle on a rich family. There's a giant rock that becomes the MacGuffin of the movie. It happens to do with people getting killed, getting their, well, the kid ended up dying, but it has a, becomes a weapon. They hustle that rich family there's a scene when the rich dad is getting on with his wife, tickles her nipple and says, she says, buy me drugs. Melty and I laugh at that scene. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we watching? There's a guy living in the fucking basement because of the little cleaning lady. The, this family takes over every aspect of that house. They become the new driver, the new cleaning person, the new translator, the new tutor. They take over that family. And at the end, uh, the whole family gets fucked up a disarray. The daughter dies. The son gets smashed in the head, but he lives... The dad ends up living in the basement. The kid has a future state of where he's going to work to make money to buy the house to take care of his dad one day. That is fucking Parasite. People said it was a smart movie. They said it mixed genres. People told me there's horror elements to it. Besides that gruesome scene at the end, nope. To me, it was disappointing. To me, I don't like subtitles anyway. To me, a guy who prides himself on watching every movie, especially the Oscar contenders where I can analyze them, I analyze the shit out of Parasite. Um, but the problem is that we didn't watch it over one night because we were so bored. We had to watch it over two nights. I think it took momentum away from us. Mm-hmm. Parasite was shit to me. Melty, your take. Yeah, I mean, I have a similar take. I will say that I probably, I can see the, I can see the attraction to it because it does have that kind of thriller-esque aspect of, um, uh, intrigue because they're essentially taking over this family but then they're caught at the end and it's there's a duel of two lower class families trying to survive um so i think i enjoyed it a little bit more but i will say i'm shocked that it got as much um yeah, how did they get all those accolades and all those awards and recognition and how did it go how did it become a global phenomenon and do what it did at the Oscars. I, I've never seen anything like it. I think the only reason is that it was a foreign movie, and foreign movies typically don't have that type of 
um, story to yeah. it. Like they, they're, they tend to be flatter and not as dimensional. And this was very dimensional and there was a lot going point. on. And there is a battle between, again, those two lower class families, one that was already, not to give it away for people that haven't seen it, but like one that was already established as part of the, the family and then one that wasn't, yeah. that was trying to infiltrate and they thought they had an easy path in, but it, it there was not an easy path. Um, but both families, both the husband and wife of the low class family and the family of four, the mom, the dad, and the two kids, they both weren't good people because they were both taking advantage of that rich family, of yeah. this hardworking family. Mm -hmm. They did nothing wrong. They were just rich. The dad worked for everything he had, but they just tried to siphon off of their lives and take advantage of this family. And I'm like... But they, they did it in different ways. Like the, the established ones, the ones that had been there before they were kind of just surviving. Like they weren't living like this lavish. Yeah. They weren't trying to live this lavish life because the family had a lot of money and they were trying to like take it away from them. They were literally like, he just stayed in, just the, stayed basement. in the basement. <laughs> in the bunker. Yeah. Like peeing. But then the other family, yeah. we got to see like, again, being in that basement doing pizza boxes, literally bums in the alley pissing on their home. Yeah. And then it floods and there's shit coming out of the toilet. They were really poor. They were really poor and they were trying to make a quick like um, switch to something better and there's no quick switch. So would you recommend Parasite to people? I mean, if you haven't seen it, I say give it a go. It's free on, I think, it, what was it that we watched it on? Yeah, it was just uh, Comcast on Demand. We watched it. Yeah. Uh, and Hulu. It's on Hulu too. Hulu, it's on both. Yeah. So I say watch it if you can for free. I wouldn't, I'm glad I didn't see it in theaters. Um yeah. I think it's a one-time watch. Like, I'm, I wouldn't go back to it. Me, personally, you all know T and my movie background, I say don't waste your fucking time. <laughs> it was a pile of monkey shit. <laughs> uh, one other movie, and we'll, we'll leave it with this, is, again, Melty. I said this before, Melty and your love for Disney. Uh, <laughs> I struggled to find, having all my nieces growing up, my nephew started coming along. Disney, for the longest time, didn't make boy movies. It was focused on Disney princesses and whatnot. Pixar came in. And they just made it mass appealing for everyone. Toy Story was for everyone. But then they started carving out like that genre of, uh, you know, like cars. They started doing stuff for boys too. There's a movie now, and I'll get your take on it, whether or not you think it's a boy movie or not. Onward. Onward to me, again, I love Lord of the Rings. And you don't. I love Lord of the Rings. I said that trilogy finally took over the original Star Wars trilogy. And there was a movie called Bright where Will Smith lives in a world where ogres and orcs and dragons and fairies and, and wizards all live in modern day Los Angeles and he's a cop. Onward to me combined those two and animated it. It was a world where uh, modern technology took over but there's still some signs of life and magic. You got a, you know, a dragon for a pet. Had a lot of celebrity voices and whatnot. The core of the story was two brothers on the youngest brother's 16th birthday and again for all you comic book fans out there uh, Tom Holland who plays Spider-Man and Chris Pratt who plays Star-Lord uh, in Guides of the Galaxy, so obviously they're on the contract, they have Disney money anyway. They're two kids, one's an older brother, younger brother, the younger brother turns 16, and on his 16th birthday, uh, they get a, a, a sign of uh, a gift that the mom had to hold on to from the dad who passed away, and they have to use a stone and a staff that they could bring back their dad for one day for 24 hours. The stone goes kablooey, and they're on a mission to get another stone, and they're traveling with their half-generated dad, who's just the bottom half. Um, 
And again, I'll go first and I'll let Melty go. To me, yeah, I get that it was like, it was tailored to get little boys because boys like dragons and stuff like that. The two main characters were boys. I think it's definitely tailored to its boys. Definitely a good family movie. I think during the quarantine, you know, it kind of got pushed out of theaters a little sooner. I think it would have been another big Disney Pixar movie. I think it wouldn't have been as big as some of the other ones like a Toy Story or a Finding Nemo. I liked it. it. It definitely plays close to the hot string for anyone that's lost a parent. And it's it's fun to see two siblings. Again, everybody has like an older brother, older sister. When you're younger, sometimes you don't have the best relationship. And then how these two came together and they were trying to go on an adventure. Everybody loves going on an adventure. And they go on an adventure and it's a, a guy in his car in the van, his love for the van. I think every boy can relate to that. I have my love for Wesley Snipes. And it's two brothers trying to go ahead and see their dad. And it comes together and... Uh, they get the new stone, they find the other stone, and they basically, the older brother gets to see the dad, and the younger kid becomes a full-blown wizard. Um, but that's the story. I thought it was very entertaining. I thought it did classic Disney, plates the hot shrinks. Disney tends to do that. Disney tends to have always a sad B story to the A story. They need to have that sad B setting. They always tend to, you know, they, they, they take Dumbo away from his mom. They, they killed fucking Bambi's mom. They tend to do something up. The guy is a widow. You know, it's like Disney knows how to really pull you in because little kids don't understand that part of it. They understand the forefront, the A story. Two, two kids going on an adventure. So Disney Pixar comes up with a dynamic where it's entertaining for adults like us, even if we don't have kids yet. For you, if you have kids and your kid. Pixar smart. They know how to write a good movie. They know how to bring an A-listers to do the voice to the point where... You can actually start looking at the characters and start to see Tom Holland or Chris Pratt. They, they're good. You call Julia Louis-Dreyfus the mom from the beginning. Like, you kind of see them come through the character. And to me, I don't think I've ever seen a Pixar movie that I didn't like besides maybe... I think maybe it was a Cars because uh, oh, the, the spinoff at the time because Dane Cook, my arch enemy, did one of the voices. <laughs> but besides that, uh, I loved Onward. What was your take, Melty, of Onward? I loved Onward. I loved it. It was very much like up for me where it was like feel good there was a little bit of adventure in there and there was the sad element like I definitely cried like a baby Melty, Melty did cry like a baby like, I was sobbing at the end um but Melty cries at 90% of the movies I'll think, I, by the way I do this one hit especially hard but I will say I loved I just loved it so much. I thought it was very well done, very cute. I love the story. I typically don't like monster, not monsters, but I typically don't like, um, to your point of Lord of the Rings, like yeah. I don't like that like fantasy um, world, but I, I really enjoyed it. I think it actually played really well here. I was concerned that I, wa I wanted to watch it so badly that I wasn't going to like it because they were different they were like trolls or whatever yeah. um so I was scared I wasn't gonna like it but I really I loved that movie it was such it was the first movie that we've watched together in a while where I have not fallen asleep because I just wanted <laughs> I wanted to get to the end I thought it was so it was so well done and um it was really cute yeah well I'll leave that on positive note so well, well obviously I think ladies and gentlemen I'll, 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 I'll let you go would you recommend on what I would would you I would 100% yeah. recommend Onward. If you have a family, absolutely. But I think even if you don't, I think it's still a very good movie. So that was Teen Melty do reality TV. Teen Melty, Melty and T do uh, our movie reviews. Uh, our last podcast together in the quarantine in Melty's home. We will be doing some back in my place. But I wanted to uh, get Melty on one more podcast, uh, knowing that I'll be back solo and dialing in with b -Lo now that he's back from 
his bunker in quarantine back in Bilo Land. I don't know for how long, but um, I do enjoy doing the podcast with Melty. And I like when she comes on, and I know a lot of you like when she comes on. Obviously, she brings a side to me that I maybe sometimes I don't show on by myself or with Bilo. But I think quarantine life, and hopefully we get to talk about this again. What do you think, baby? Like, we're getting through it, you know? We, we learned a lot more about each other, too. Uh, I think that if we could get through this, I think we're meant to, to be together. I think we're meant to get married. I mean, I, I think if you can get through this, you can get through anything. It's um, it's never-ending, but it will end. <laughs> never-ending. <laughs> I'm up and down at the same time most days. <laughs> it's, you know, it'll end soon and will be for the better. Well... Ladies and gentlemen, that was the Tea Podcast for Thursday, April 30th, the last day of April uh, 2020. That was the Tea Podcast number 158. Melty, where can people find you on Instagram? I was supposed to look. We do this every time. We do this every time. I believe it is Melty (laughs) underscore the underscore co-host. Something like that. You can find it on the Tea Podcast account. I have uh, Bilo on there, Melty on there. You can find them on there. Um, also, please come to, uh, well, we haven't really shared anything. We're supposed to share some stories. We could have shared the pizza stuff. So, Melty has been trying to do a decent job against some stuff. up. But you got a picture of Tigger uh, working next to you, working from home uh, earlier in the quarantine. But please, if you like Melty, if you like the podcast, go to iTunes, rate the podcast, review it. Negative or positive, positive give me some feedback. Give me some criticism. Uh, send the messages. Send your questions. You know where to reach me. My announcer will come in and let you know all that. So that was the Tea Podcast, like I said, for April 30th. Melty, please say goodbye. Goodbye, Melty. Until next time, always take it there. Listen to Tea in the Tea Podcast on iTunes and tblog.com. Also follow Tea Along on Twitter and Instagram on the Tea Blog account. All one word, T-B-L-A-W-G on the Tea Blog Facebook page. And again on Instagram, this time on the T Podcast account, the underscore T underscore podcast. You can send comments and questions along to T at T at T dash blog.com. That's T at T dash B L A W G dot com. The show has now ended. T has taken it there.